Hello and welcome back to Toowoomba 2020. I'm your host, Toby Loftus. The Toowoomba Regional Council this week held its last general meeting and last special meeting of this third term of the Toowoomba Regional Council. We're just over a month out from the election on March 28, and the council is set to enter caretaker mode this Saturday. To discuss all the latest going-ons in council and the biggest issues facing this election, I'm joined once again by our great council reporter, Tom Gillespie. Hey Toby, how you doing? Great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Very busy. So, Tom, one of the biggest issues going into this election is the um, Mount Lofty development, which um, is the defence housing um, proposal for several about 300 and 300 odd homes up at Mount Lofty in the old rifle range area. Now, um, Recently, community, concerned community citizens put out a petition online addressed to Mayor Paul Antonio calling on him to stop the development, and that recently reached 100,000 signatures, which is um, something I spoke with Penny Claringball, a member of the Saved Mount Lofty group, about recently. Let's take a quick listen to what she had to say. Um, here in Mount Lofty, we're seeing a huge bit of the escarpment um, proposed to be bulldozed. It's critical koala habitat too, which means that that habitat has been mapped as critical to the survival of koalas. So it's not any old bit of bush. This is really critical to the survival of koalas. And the plan up there will bulldoze it down to one metre of soil. So we're talking about a whole lot being scraped off, all the trees, everything. Oh, we were amazed. In the beginning, we thought it'd be a few thousand, but I think the fact that it's now got to 100,000 and it's still climbing is just showing how much the whole world is looking at right at Mount Lofty, our little neck of the woods. The whole planet is looking at us because they realise how incredibly important it is that we try and save koalas from extinction, and that's what we're actually talking about here. So, yeah, it counts, it matters, and people care. Just run me through what it's like walking down there and walking through these paths and walking through these trees and where they want to build this giant housing estate? Uh, well, it's very sad because there's actually original vegetation there, remnant, classified red remnant. That's big old trees, semi-rainforest, shade and green. There's a creek, there's a waterfall just on the edge. And most of Toowoomba does not know that's there. So that's why most of Toowoomba hasn't woken up to this until quite late. But residents and those of us who are familiar with this land we know what's on there and it's very very precious is it is it quite serene walking down there it is magical walking down there it is serene green shady quiet it's a very unique and precious piece of land and it's a pity that i i can't i just don't know why people think that it's okay to to wood chip it bulldoze it and mash it into into dust and soil erosion i just don't get it that was penny claring ball speaking about the mount lofty development and the save mount lofty group's efforts now tom can you just run me through a bit about why this is such an issue for council heading into the election well sure i think it's um because it hangs over everybody's heads and because there's been so much information out about this project for quite a few years now. Um, everybody has an opinion on it. We've been asking councils and uh, new candidates, uh, you know, what their feelings are about this project. And I think, simply put, the big concerns are around the loss of koala habitat, um, the issues with traffic in terms of the sort of local roads that are supposed to be servicing, you know, more than 300 more uh, properties. Mind you, it's, uh, I believe they're doing it in the stage sort of development, but even so, 
you know the end result is 300 more than 300 uh, extra lots in a in a sort of narrow corner of the of the city um, a lot of council candidates have had an opinion on this some are saying outright that they're not going to vote my understanding is that and the, you know I'm not sure how much this has been circulated but that the safe Mount Lofty group are putting together a list of council candidates that they want to endorse and they want to put forward as the ones that they think Toowoomba should vote for if they don't want this development to go ahead. Do you think this issue is one that could um, legitimately push the number of votes needed um, within Toowoomba to get candidates up? I think if the narrative is played right, it really depends on what the candidates want to do and also what we in the media want to push. I personally think it's a massive issue, um, regardless of whether you're for or against it, it's going to have huge impact on that one of the oldest uh, pockets of uh, the city and uh, I think no doubt that when we get to these forums and these town halls uh, very soon council candidates are going to get grilled on this by the members of the public because they're not happy um, or and many of them have opinions on how it should look or whether it should even happen at all so I think it's going to play a big role depending on how the narrative plays out over the next couple of weeks. How would you, I guess, describe the public sentiment towards this project? I mean, it really depends on who you ask, but I find that there's a very vocal group of people who have said adamantly, and most of them live in that surrounding area, that they don't want this to go ahead, they don't think it's suitable, they don't think it's um, viable. Um, I think, look, nobody, I think, is going into bat too much for this group. Um, I'm not even sure that the councillors are at this stage because it hasn't um, gone to a special meeting. It's still very much in that um, in that development phase, uh, you know, the planning phase, because it's been it was proposed way back in I think 2018 formally, but it was introduced back in 2016. So and and the DHA Defence Housing Australia had done some community consultation prior, hoping that that would smooth things over. I find it that opening that up to the public has actually just increased the evidence that the opposition feels they have to sort of take this thing down. I think it's um, going to be a massive um, issue if the people who do not want it to happen make it a big issue um, and make it uh, sort of dictating the narrative and where what councils... Uh, candidates uh, will be answering when they sort of get on this, you know, sort of small campaign trail. And I think another reason why it has become a big issue in the lead up to the next election is because, well, as of tomorrow, Saturday, the council is in caretaker mode, so they can't make any decisions on it. It will be the next council that decides the future of this project. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that also leads into a wider discussion around planning and development. I think uh, there's no question, if you look at all the surveys, the surveys that are done on the community by the council, planning and development is the most unpopular and controversial and hotly contested uh, department or area of council. Um, it gets the lowest approval ratings. I'm not saying that necessarily that means that they are doing a bad job. I'm saying that that's what the public is feeling. And those, and those are the pub, that's the active public, the one that is engaged and involved in council. Um, and we've also seen that as evidenced by the number of times council gets taken to the planning and environment court. Uh, numerous cases, all these, every time that that happens, that cost rate payer money. 
So there definitely needs to be a wider discussion around planning and development and also uh, how councillors and their role in this and how they play. Because as I said, they get to the expect, this is what happens. We saw it with uh, the Prince Henry Heights thing recently. We just did an article about... The Shangri-La development. The Shangri-La development at Prince Henry Heights. We've seen that with a number of other projects. They get knocked back by council, but they were recommended by the officers based on the planning scheme that they currently have, which is the document that they use. They can't contradict that. The officers are simply following the planning scheme. Now, disagree with the planning scheme if you want, but that's the document that they're using. And the councillors are in many cases rightfully siding with the community and the community outrage over a project. But because the letter of the law is as it is, the project goes ahead after a lengthy legal process that has resulted in costs being uh, attributed to ratepayers. Talking about the planning scheme, that is something though the council is working on trying to fix or or bring up to date really, isn't it? Yeah, they're doing a planning scheme review. Um, that will be sorted out in the uh, in the next term of council. It's going to co- take two years. Um, I think they're not even halfway through it right now, and it could cost a million dollars to get it done because, unfortunately, because the council is a baby of the state government, everything that revolves around council law has to get then get they have to seek approval to the, the the state government and then send it back to endorsement and if that and if you repeat that you know hundreds and hundreds of times for each local government um, it leads to you know a delay and things happening and that's why it takes so long for a new document to occur the last original planning document that we had was in 2012 and they made something like 21 amendments to that in that time um, and so that shows you like the the more preferable option is to you know try and just make tweaks and amendments where needed that's clearly where their preference has been rather than go and scrap it and start it again Hmm. moving forward now um at the start of this whole podcast we spoke about how water security was one of the um, major issues uh, that would affect this campaign is water security still an issue I think water security is a massive issue um, and will be in this um, campaign. At least I hope it is because I think, you know, the council has made no uh, illusions about the fact that we're still very much in a drought. Uh, Obviously, this rain's great. The, you know, the surface looks fantastic, but not, uh, as the council's uh, water and waste department pointed out, not a lot of it's gotten into the bores. Not a huge amount, some, but not a huge amount has gone into the dams and the catchment. So that means that, as Nancy Somerville pointed out, I think it was last week, we're in a sort of very much a green drought where everything looks great, but we don't have a lot of the water resources. So I think, uh, I noticed a few candidates have put water security as their top priority, uh, including a former water and waste general manager, Kevin Flanagan, who's made water security basically his top issue, saying that we need to find more resources, more ways to secure water, more ways to ensure that we have, you know, a continuous supply well into the future. Um, so, I mean, th- very much I think there could be a litmus test around how candidates put forward that they could manage water better or better dictate, you know, the sort of projects that we need to work on, both new and existing. Uh, that could sort of help dictate the outcome of this election. Mm. Now, a lot of people at council election time, they really like to speak about 
the way things were. So they like to think about when there was the Oakey Shire Council or the Clifton Shire Council or the John Darien Shire Council or the Crow's Nest Shire Council and how things were so much better back then. Is um, decentralisation playing a role in this campaign? I think it will play a role in every campaign. Uh, For the simple fact that at the heart of it, um, people don't want to feel that they're being left out. When they had a central body that was in their small community, now they don't. Uh, I think that's a very valid concern. Uh, Whether it's matched by how much council involvement has been there in, in those communities and whether it meets, you know, the dissatisfaction that is being felt in those communities um, is another matter. But certainly the concern is there. Uh, we had a couple of candidates, including a mayoral candidate, who said uh, they want to uh, decentralise services. Obviously, that doesn't mean we're going back to divvying up the council again. That's not what they're talking about. What they're trying to say is, you know, council workforces should stay in those uh, communities. There's a lot of concern around the new depot that's being built at Charlton and how that's going to move all a whole chunk of council workforce and workforce and resources to one area. So surely there's a bit of concern about that. Um, whether it is founded is another question, but certainly I, I don't disagree with the notion that uh, many outlying communities in the Toowoomba region feel like they want a fairer go. And I think as well, a lot of people are... You see a lot of the time in our social media comments or that kind of thing, people calling for divisions in council. So to instead of having the um, undivided council that we have where all the councillors are elected based on the percentage of the vote or the share of the vote that they got, um, it's instead they'd want to go back to the this person, person A, represents Division 1, this person B represents Division 2, and people say that could sort of work in helping to bridge that um, disenfranchisement that people in the smaller communities are feeling, but the population centre for the whole Toowoomba region, the majority of the population is based in Toowoomba, the city itself, and so all the divisions would be based around the city and not the outlying areas. If out of the 10 seats, you'd probably get two seats that are divided up entirely across regional areas outside of the city. So something like that would just be completely unfeasible in terms of alleviating these people's issues, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there. I think the could the issue with wanting to go go to a divided council is that I don't think the population is decentralized enough um, to uh, do that fairly. And I think that would actually make do a disservice to those outlying areas, which I do believe need a fair go. Um, and they deserve one because amalgamation was thrust upon everybody here. And, uh, I mean, it, it. you know, it's not necessarily the Trumbull Regional Council's fault that they're in this situation. They were formed out of, you know, a state decision uh, in 2008. But certainly um, they have a, have a role to play in what moves forward. I will note, interestingly enough, that in 2008, a number of um, the mayors of those outlying councils uh, actually got voted onto the new council. Um, because those communities were so terrified that they would get ignored that they all rally behind one person. So that's why you've got uh, Bill Carl, um, who is, I, I, I want to say, the only, I could be wrong, I'm happy to be corrected, only one for the, sort of the Crow's Nest, Highfields area, um, uh, 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 Councillor, uh, Deputy Mayor Carol Taylor is from down in Kent, the Cambuya, Hodgson Vale area. Paul Antonio himself. 
is from Milmerin, of course, and he was elected as a councillor first in 2008. So again, that just sort of points out. In fact, I'm pretty sure in 2008 there was only one councillor from the old Toowoomba City Council that got elected on, and that's Joe Ramia, who's now retiring. Um, so that's an interesting note, and I think if we follow that model, I find that's a more equitable uh, solution. Um, we've had a candidate pull out of the race this week. Yeah, we have. Um, somebody that I thought that if uh, he uh, sort of could get some groundswell of support, um, it actually could make a good go in the race. But I think Jamie Cooper from Westbrook has announced that he's pulling out due to some family health concerns, which is fair enough. Um, uh, he is, appears to be the only one. The other news is that Mike Williams uh, uh, um, might have been acknowledged in the previous podcast, but if not, uh, he said he was running for council again uh, and has unfortunately uh, decided that he is not going to run. He's going to retire at the end of this term. And that makes four councillors that are not going to be there next time. Mm, that's Angela Sheen, Chris Tate, Mike Williams and Joe Ramia. Um, Tom, what's the, that's about 90 years of council experience between the four of them. Is it a big loss to the council? I think it's a huge loss to the council in regards to how they're guided. I think that also then will shift a lot of the responsibility, especially if say, one of these councillors that's an incumbent that's running and doesn't get in, um, we could be looking at potentially a majority of the council new. I don't think I've seen that. Uh, I don't think the, the region has seen that. They've seen maybe one or two positions change, not four and maybe not even five. That's a very real possibility because there is an appetite for change out there in the community. And at the moment, there are less candidates running overall at this stage, I, I, I'm sure there will be extras, extra ones uh, announced. But at the moment, we're looking at, what, 26, 27? Normally, it's about 32 to 35 at this stage. Maybe there'll be some more coming in. But more to the point, what I'm saying is that there's a slightly smaller pool right now, and there's a lot more vacant spots up for grabs. And that will shift the ones that do get on that have been there uh, before Paul Antonio. I, I guess uh, if Ca Carol does decide to run, she's the only officially under undeclared, you know, whether she's running or not. If she decides to run, she gets on. Um, Carol Taylor, Jeff McDonald, very popular. Um, Nancy uh, Summerfield, these are all popular councillors in terms of votes and uh, profile. They're the responsibility that they will hold um, will be much greater because you'll have a lot more novice councillors coming on, you know, having not done this before. And so they will be able to dictate terms a little bit better because they know the system. So it's going to be some really interesting next six months after the election. Mm. Now, talking about candidates that are leaving, next week we will be bringing you a chat with Councillor Anne Glasheen about her, um, why she has decided to hang up her boots and what is next for her. Now, this is all we have time for today. Tom, thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you, Toby. Toowoomba 2020 is produced by me, Toby Loftus, for The Chronicle. This podcast is made possible thanks to our valued subscribers. We've got a great $1 for 28 days deal on at the moment. And for more information on that and to subscribe, visit thechronicle.com.au forward slash subscribe. Music is by Kevin McLeod.